Hey, can we give a massive encouragement? We're going to go straight to Matt giving a message. Bless you, mate. Sorry, I thought we were singing another song. Got to get my act together here. <laughs> Great. Good. All right. Well, uh, how's it going? Good to see everyone here. I'm so thankful to be bringing God's Word tonight. I really am. God's Word is so powerful. It is amazing and it will change our lives. It will. It is changing my life as we speak. I don't know whether you've played hide and seek with kids recently. Uh, I'm doing this a little bit because a lot of people in my sort of phase of life are beginning to have kids. And uh, so, uh, so often when we sort of catch up with a few friends, there'll be a few kids around and uh, I inevitably end up finding myself playing hide and seek. Not all the adults do, but I get in on that. And uh, it's fun for about the first five um, seconds. And then it's sort of, <laughs> because, you know, that, um, you know, they'll run up to you. Okay, your, your turn to um, seek. And, and so count. So one, two, three, four. So they run off hiding and you know inevitably they've run five metres. They're in plain sight. They're like, you know, they're next to the couch and you just open your eyes and you see them straight away. So you sort of start, oh, where's... You know, we had um, a twig around, where's Grayson? You know, oh, where's Grayson? Is she in the room? And you would do a whole tour of the house. And, uh, and she's, you know, she's in plain sight the whole time, but she's got, her, she's got her eyes closed and she's not looking at me. So I think they think if, if they can't see me, I can't see them. Uh, they're still to learn that. Grayson, I really appreciate playing uh, hide and seek with you if you're listening to this. Now, my daughter, Audrey, she's a little younger. Um, Grayson's, I think, four. Audrey's four months. And, uh, and hide and seek with Audrey is, well, well it's peekaboo really is what it is. It's not hide and seek. Uh, she doesn't do any running or anything. But what happens is um, um, it doesn't really work with her either, to be honest, because what I do is I, I go to play hide and seek peekaboo with, with Audrey. And so I'll pull the blanket up in front of my face. But as soon as I do that, they think you've gone. They literally, I think they think you've gone. So as soon as I hold the blanket up, she's lost interest. She's not looking at me, waiting for me to come out from behind the blanket. So I pull the blanket down and she's like looking somewhere else. I'm like, ah, and she's not even looking at me to be able to surprise her. Uh, it's really disappointing. And uh, she's like, wow, where did you come from, Dad? That's amazing. You're just uh, coming out of thin air. And we're in this series, Stories of the Found. Good title, great title for this series. It's the parables in Luke 15. And we've look, looked at the lost sheep, the lost coin over the last two weeks. And what we've seen is that God is searching for us. God is seeking us out. God is active in that. He's not passive. But the complexity that we come to in tonight's parable is that we're not looking to be found. <laughs> That's the complexity. That's the complexity. God's searching for us. He wants to reveal Himself to us, but we don't even know where we're lost. We're not looking to be found by God. We've checked out of the game, just like Audrey, you know, when I pull the blanket out and then I pull it back, she's already gone. As soon as I pull that blanket, pull that blanket up. We're not looking to be found. This is the complexity that God has in seeking and saving us. This is what Romans 3, 9 to 12 says. For we've already made the charge that the Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, this is the bit, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God, all have turned away. No one who seeks God. Over the next two weeks, we're gonna look at this parable in two sections. It's, it's actually a parable about two different 
sons. And the thing that this story shows us is that to be lost, the very definition of lostness is not to know the love of God, is not to actually know who God is, to not see Him. Both of these sons are representations of journeys in coming to know the love of God. God wants us to know Him, but there are things that get in the way of us receiving the love that He has for us. And this is what we're gonna look at over the next two weeks. And so we're gonna go to Luke 15, we're in uh, verse 11. We're gonna read through 24 tonight. If you wanna uh, pull that out, feel free to, uh, to do that. And we remember uh, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, but there's also tax collectors and sinners in the crowd as well. It's a bit of a mixed crowd. He's speaking to all of them. Here we go, Luke 15, 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Interesting, that word property in the Greek, original is actually the word life. He divided his life between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. The goal of this story is a son being found, a son who was lost, didn't know his father being found. And as we unpack this story tonight, we're just gonna go through it scene by scene. I wanna encourage you. This is an opportunity for you to see if any of this resonates with your own life right now. Here we go. The first barrier to the son knowing the father is desire. He doesn't want to know the father. The young man has heard of things in a country far off. And when we think of, when it says that country far off, we should think the world. That's what Jesus wants us to think of. And his heart has been captured by the things in the world, in that country. These desires, in fact, lead him not only to miss who the father is, but to take advantage of the father and then leave him. Leave him for dead, effectively. He's taken an inheritance. The father's lost his stream of income for his retirement. 
the catalyst for our lostness is that we desire things other than God. James 1.14 says this, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown gives birth to death. I want us to notice here that the father doesn't throw the son out of the house. There's no indication the father was angry or bitter or in judgment over his son. It was the son's decision to walk in pursuit of what he desired. God doesn't throw us out of his house because of our sin. God doesn't need to cut himself off from us because of our sin. Jesus sat with sinners. He was in their presence. He was with them. Our desire for things other than God keeps us from Him because we walk out on Him. Sin is us cutting ourselves off from God because we don't know who He is. So I want to ask you here tonight, what do you desire? What do you really want? If someone asks you here tonight, what could you not live without? What would you say? Not the correct answer, but what you really know to be true, what your actions reflect in your life. The young son at this moment, he could live without the father. He could because he walks out, but he couldn't live without the things of the world, the things his heart desired. After not too long, the son's decision to walk out is causing issues for him. Things are getting tough in this country, in the world, in the place that he's in. And even though he's actually lost the ability now to get what he desired that whole time, he doubles down on the world. He says, I'll hire myself out to someone here. I'll I'll, I'll make a way for myself. Desire for things other than God, whatever they are. Good things, family, career, bad things, whatever they are. Desire for things other than God, whether we get them or not, will always end in enslavement. Always. And so in this scene of the story, it's no longer his desire that's keeping him from the Father, it's his enslavement. He's actually enslaved to the things of the world. He's tethered to them. Uh, On Monday night, we had our shared night with the men and uh, I happened to be there and uh, one of the men shared his life journey, which at one point included being an ICE user. And uh, he stated the obvious in this testimony, in this interview. He said, no one ever sets out to use ICE. No one ever sets out to do that. But he used this analogy, which for me is, was just perfect. It surmised it so well, the issue. He said, he said, what it's like is putting a marble, a small marble in, a, in the gutter of a road, which has a decline, which is so slight, it's, it's indiscernible to the eye. But there is a decline in it. And you put the marble in that gutter and, it, and it's, you can't even tell it at the time, but it is slowly rolling, slowly moving 
along that road and it'll eventually end in the sewer. He talked in his story and he said, God told me at a young age when, I think when he first got married, um, I don't want you to touch alcohol. And, uh, and he heard that and he received that. But he ended up um, starting with a few drinks and, and that was for him. That was for him. That was unique for him, a unique word from God. He started with a few drinks though later on in his life and when a few drinks didn't quite keep up, he doubled down into to lots of drinks and when that didn't quite keep up, he doubled down into other things uh, that, that, that really weren't good things for him and he eventually ended up doubling down into lots of different substances, substance abuse. Romans 6.16 says this, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. For many, probably most of us here tonight, probably ice isn't something that we're thinking of in our head when we think about enslavement, but it can be literally anything. If you're enslaved to your career, if, if, sorry, if your career is the thing you desire, is the thing your heart is chasing after, you will be enslaved to your work. You will just work and work and work and work. If your desire is to have a particular image, cultivate a particular image, maybe it's being this type of mom, maybe it's being this type of teenager or uni student, that will lead to an enslavement to expectations. If you desire to have a certain type of family, you will be enslaved to worry and anxiety that that type of family might be taken from you or might not meet your expectations. The things that we are enslaved to, they dictate our schedules, they dictate our actions, they dictate our thought life, they dictate our imagination. I wanna ask you, where does your imagination go? Where's your vision? What are you saying? Man, I'd love to get there. In the Jewish context that Jesus is telling this story in, feeding the pigs is the bottom. The Pharisees would have heard that and said, that is outrageous. Who would ever feed pigs? It was the worst imaginable position, the worst imaginable job. It was death. You will know when you're enslaved because you will be working so hard to get that thing that you're desiring for. And you'll be thinking this thing will bring me life, it'll bring me joy, it'll bring me freedom and overflow and abundance. And as you work harder and harder and harder, those things will get further and further away from you. And cynicism will start in your heart and bitterness and resentment towards those who you think are stopping the desire that you have. But it's at this point of enslavement, of destitution, that the first movement to knowing the Father's love begins for the younger son. And the very first, the thing that we must do before we can ever know the Father's love is to be honest, is to be honest. The young son is honest with the circumstances of his life. He stops pretending. He stops trying to convince himself that things are okay. He allows himself to admit, maybe I don't have life here. 
Maybe I don't have the fullness of life that I thought these things would bring me. He's realised that the country that he is in has brought death, not life. I wanna encourage you with all that I am able here tonight, particularly if you have been in church all of your life, if you've been around religion and Jesus and Christianity for all of your life, I wanna encourage you with everything that I am able tonight. Do you honestly have the fullness of life that Jesus said he would give to us? Without being honest, we cannot change. We cannot move. God cannot give us anything if we don't think we need something. In his mercy, God has wired us. He has created you. He's created me. For his, heart, for his love so much, we are just, that is in our DNA, it is who we are, that if we desire anything other than him, we will not feel alive, we will feel dead. We will feel exhausted. We will not feel fully alive. We will feel like we are missing something. If we are honest with ourselves, we will know that something needs to change in our lives. I wanna tell you, there is a spiritual battle in our lives over coming to terms with the true state of our heart. The enemy is doing everything he can to convince you, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Keep going down the path you're on, keep desiring after that thing, the life will come. It's just around the corner, it's on the horizon. Because once we are honest, will come a decision of the will. This is what repentance is. Repentance is saying, I don't wanna be here anymore. This place, this, this thing I'm desiring is doing me no good. He doesn't even fully understand all the reasons as to why he has ended up where he is. But he knows that whatever the reason for it, he doesn't want it anymore. There's this quote from a guy by the name of George MacDonald. He says this, the man may recognise the evil in him, the sin in him only as pain. He may know little and care nothing about his sins, yet is the Lord sorry for his pain. Jesus cries aloud, come unto me, all you that labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I want you to notice here, the young brother, he's not setting out to the father because he knows he's a sinner. That's not why he sets out. He's setting out because he feels dead. He's not setting out to get some sort of notional forgiveness from God, you know, a concept. He's setting out to the Father to get life, fullness of life that he knows he doesn't have. He's, he's not even sure how the Father will respond. He's got a vague hope. Maybe, maybe there would be better than here because I know that here is not fullness of life. Maybe the Father could give me something better. 
Are you, are you feeling heavy laden here tonight? You feel like life's hard, like life's exhausting, like you don't really want to go on. You want, kind of just want to hide and get away and retreat. Jesus is calling us tonight in his mercy. He's got something for us. But we need to be willing to cut ties with that place that we're currently trying to find life in order to see what he might be able to give us. And so in repentance, the son sets out towards the father's house. But there's one more barrier yet in the young man that needs to be overcome, that needs to be removed. It's his shame. He's setting out to the father knowing he has sinned against the father. So he must be unworthy. He's setting out thinking that because of his decision to walk out on his father, to to cut ties with his father, his father will of course disown him. How would you feel if you were the father? If your son walked out on you, stole all your money? In our heads, we're thinking, of course he's unworthy. He's undeserving. He is condemned. He is judged. But look at the father running to him. Look at the father shaming himself by running in order to convince this son of his that he does not condemn him that he does not judge him, that he does not consider him unworthy, that he still calls him son. So often we come to God thinking things like, oh, I'm so unworthy of God's love. God, I'm so unworthy of you. Will you accept me anyway? And I understand that thinking, but the problem with that thinking is that it actually limits God's love. Love has no reference to anything, no reference to, to merit, lacking or, or there. God's love is unrestrictable. It is unrestrainable. God isn't sitting there thinking, well, you're an unworthy sinner, but I'll love you anyway. God is love. Our sin does not stop God's ability to love us. The father always loved his son. If his son had walked back in after going five steps, he would have said, welcome home, my son, welcome home. Always holding the offer open. And as long as we come to God thinking that his love is somehow dictated by whether we're a sinner or not, whether we're lacking or not, we will be a slave, not a son. Shame keeps us from seeing and receiving the Father's love. And as his father runs to him, embraces him, puts his robe, his ring on him, the son, he came home wanting some food, right? He came home just, oh, I'll take anything. He gets far, far more than what he expected. He receives what he never knew that he always needed. I want to say that again. 
he receives what he never knew, never understood that he always needed, the love of his father, to know who his father is. The love of the father is life. The son was in the house for many years, didn't know who the father was. Luke 15, 24, let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. He was dead. Desire for the world led to enslavement, led to death. Our desire leads to sin, leads to death. Honesty leads to repentance leads to receiving and knowing who God is and leads to life. Jesus hung on a cross to show us that our sin does not, cannot, will not dictate God's love for us. It is unrestrainable. Humanity is killing Him. We are killing God on the cross. We are doing our utmost to extinguish him, to restrain him, to restrict him. The worst we could ever do. And he cries out, Father, forgive them. He's overflowing love. He's spewing love on the cross. This is eternal life. This is life that cannot be restricted, that cannot be restrained, that walks through death and out the other side and is unaffected. I wanna ask you tonight, do you know the love of the Father? Do you actually know it? I'm not just talking about, yes, I've, I've heard about Jesus dying on the cross. I've read about that in the Bible. I am talking about the love of the Father poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit where you know this is true life. If we play this parable through, I don't think the young son would have been leaving home to go to the other country, do you? I don't think he would have. He'd come to know who the father was. He was hanging around to know his father. who He'd he'd been around, but he never knew all that time. He said, now I know who you are. Oh, you are the ultimate desirable. You are what my heart wants, longs for, needs, must have always forever. Is that how you feel tonight? We know that we have received the love of the Father into our hearts when we hunger and desire for God, not the things of the world. Do you hunger for God tonight? Do you desire God to know Him more than to know a family, more than to know a career, more than to know hobbies? Those things are good things and I wanna tell you, as soon as you know the Father's love, those things will only get better for you. But they cannot be the thing that our heart chases, desires, needs and wants. It will lead to enslavement. I wanna tell you, this was me recently. I got honest with myself and I said, I don't know if I have the fullness of life that Jesus is promising. 
I had glimpses of it in my life. It was here and there, but it wasn't the fullness, the whole thing. This is, this is a verse that, that God gave me for tonight. I know, I'm sure of it, I'm sure of it. Jeremiah 29, 12 to 14. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you, I will. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I want to tell you, God is not holding out on us. God is desperate to reveal who he is to us. He is not sitting, looking at us, if we're in death here tonight and saying, oh, what horrible people they are. I can't believe that they, they're in death. Like, how silly. No, no, no. We heard it the last two weeks. He is desperate for you to step into life. This is an invitation of love. This is, an, this is a calling. This is not an invitation of condemnation. This is an invitation to life. And the promise of his word is that he will give it to us if we will desire to have it. So if you're here tonight and you realize that maybe you don't have that fullness of life, when you're honest with yourself, I want to encourage you to come to Jesus tonight. You don't even know how, how, have to know how to do that. All you have to do is, is God, as best as I know how, I'm coming to you because I'm experienced lack of, lack of life here. The place I'm in right now, this is not fullness of life. And we come to him and we say, God, Please, will you give me something, something? And in that moment, what he'll do is he will speak very specifically. If you come with authenticity and with honesty, he will know that and he will speak very specifically. And he will say, this is what I want you to do. And the reason why he will speak specifically is because there's areas in our life where we are trying to get life and he needs, he needs to break those chains first. And what he'll do is he'll speak and he'll say, this is what I want you to do. And as we obey, as we, as we listen to him and in faith say, I don't know what you have for me, God. I, I don't have the fullness of life right now, but I'm believing you could give it to me. As we obey, as we take him at his word, that thing will break. We will no longer desire that. Life will not be found there anymore for us and we will want God. He will pour his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and we will know it. It won't just be a thing that we talk about. We will know it, know it. It will be in your being, in your bones, and it will be like a fire you cannot contain. I cannot contain it. I cannot contain it. He will give you life. He will. He's given it to me. I'm, I'm calling you in His name tonight that He will give you life. Trust Him. Trust Him. Listen to what he says and walk into it. He says to Peter, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me. 
Jesus says, come Peter, and he steps out of the boat and walks on water. Who could believe that? Jesus wants to give us life. What an amazing God he is. This is forgiveness, that he would give us life after we were dead. What a God we serve. Who is this man? Who is this God? He is uncontainable. He is undefinable. There is no one like him. He is the king above all kings. You will not regret following him. You will not regret following him. And it's on offer tonight. You don't need anything. You could have come here, never been to church before. It's on offer for you. Everyone, no one misses out. If we want it, he will give it. So this is the invitation of Jesus tonight. It's a beautiful invitation. Let's pray together. God, I'm thoroughly convinced that you are the king of all the world. That you are higher and greater and stronger than anything because you are love. Perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out anxiety. Perfect love drives out concern, resentment, um, um, bitterness, unforgiveness. Perfect love drives out the lot. And God, it'll be a journey. It's a journey. You're breaking chains in my life. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. But I wanna tell you, once we get a taste, oh, we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He is good. He is good. Oh, Lord, those things that we used to desire, how they pale how they pale in significance. You, Jesus, the ultimate desirable. And you're calling tonight. I really believe you're calling some. Right now, that they, they recognise, man, I'm just so tired of life. Just feel like I'm running on fumes the whole time. Oh, beautiful Saviour, you want life tonight for us. We come to you, Lord, because we are dead and you bestow on us the crown of life. So Holy Spirit, speak now, I pray. You're calling. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're calling people right now. Open our eyes, Jesus. Jesus, I wanna see more of who you are. Be exalted in my heart. Be lifted high above all. Lord, may we not be distracted by the things of the world any longer. May we, our hearts not be captured by them any longer, but to, to, to have that, Lord, we must taste You. We must see You. We must know Your love. And so I pray tonight, God, pour out Your love, Holy Spirit, into hearts tonight as they respond in obedience to what you're calling them to do, pour out your love. We wanna know your love, Father. Your love, which is better than life. And so I welcome you, Jesus, into this room right now. You've already been here, but I welcome your work. Not my work, man, am I feeble. Your work. Come, touch lives. 
Touch hearts, open eyes, I pray. Jesus, thank you, this is who you are. This is why you came, the light of the world. The men and women living in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus, you are the light and the life. We lift you high in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're gonna sing a song and uh, we were gonna sing, I come to the altar. Uh, but I was listening to this song that we're about to sing yesterday and I, I think we needed to sing this tonight at the end. What it talks about is the exodus, the bringing out of the, from the old into the new, the bringing out of, out of slavery, out of death, out of nothingness into the fullness of life. And so I wanna encourage you, we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing. And maybe God will speak to you specifically. So you need to be listening to that tonight, but maybe just as, a, as an act of response, you wanna kneel or you wanna come down the front, you wanna raise your hands. Let's be hungry for God. He is great. He is good. He's the King above all kings. Come on, let's get hungry for Him. Let's worship Him, church, as we stand together. Listen to Colossians 2. This is what it says. Verse 13, it says, You were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. For He forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us. It was Him that did it. And He took it away by nailing it to the cross. This way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. And this is what it says. It says, He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. It's all about Jesus. You know that? It's all about His grace and mercy. And maybe tonight, just as Matt was speaking, you still sat there and you thought, but, oh, my life is too much of a mess. God's inviting you, Jesus is inviting you to come because He has nailed it on the cross and an invitation is there. You just need to come as you are. And He wants to show you through His power, the power of the Holy Spirit, how to follow and find life and life to the full. And so though our service is wrapping up, you can still come down. You can come and chat to us. And I want to encourage you to do that because there's life in Jesus and Jesus wants to show you life and life to the full, not the lies that this world will tell you. And so you can do that right now. If you're online and you're watching, you can even just say yes to Jesus on that. Or if you want to just email through hello at bridgman.org.au, you can do that. If you want prayer, I'm going to encourage you tonight, just as uh, I think it's prayer at bridgman.org.au to email through. There's a whole prayer team wants to pray for you. There's people that want to pray for you in this building tonight. So I want to encourage you to do that. Does that sound cool? So we're going to pray. We're going to just thank God for what He's done in this place. And we pray that the Holy Spirit, as He follows, He's with us all the way out, that we'll never forget that He's with us. Does that sound cool? Let's ask God, God, thank You so much. I wanna thank You for Your love, Your eternal life, the grace and mercy. Lord, I wanna thank You 
Even the sin in my life was nailed to the cross. Lord, victory in Jesus alone. Lord God, and the reason I stand here is because of Your grace and Your mercy, Lord. I don't deserve it, but You poured out Your love for us. And we wanna thank You for that great Word, Lord. May we, Lord, press into the things of You. May we ask for the power of Your Holy Spirit each day to begin to take off the things that enslave us and the things that hold us back from pursuing the fullness. Lord, and You've put a call on our lives as followers of Jesus to go and love people and be, uh, take the Gospel out. Well, Lord, may we do that through the power of Your Holy Spirit, we ask. And so now we pray, come and be glorified in this place. Less of us, more of You. In the Name of Jesus and everyone said, can we just give a massive shout out to our great God? He loves us. He's for us. We're having an awesome, uh, awesome week. We're praying as a church for you guys, as a pastoral team as well. Have an amazing week. And for those online, God bless. Have a great week.